Peace, peace, everyone. It's your girl, Sequoia Blue, back in here with another episode. Today, we have a special guest, Juliet Rose, and she is a great thriller and suspense author. And oh, man, can I tell you, I've read 14 pages of Through the Surface, and it's the bomb. I'm so into, like, the whole fisherman lifestyle and stuff. I don't want to give it away too much. Some people be like, why did you give away the story? So, <laughs> But it, the characters, the anticipation, and the plots, and how everything's going, it's very, like, it, it flows so well. Like, how did you come up with this story? It, it's funny because all of my stories kind of usually come from like either an experience I had like at some point in my life or like a moment where I see something happen and it starts kind of twisting into that. And so this one actually, when I was a teenager, I would go and spend summers on an island in Maine with my step-grandmother and help them take care of a lodge they ran. And, and it, you know, it was spooky. There was definitely things about being on this island of like, like in the, in the summer, it was more, a lot more people, but in the winter, there weren't very many people. And so like being there, you definitely kind of felt like an outcast from like the people that live there. And so I, I wandered around a lot by myself and just, you know, I love Stephen King at that time. I would go to the little library and I would get out Stephen King books and scare myself to pieces being in the, this is like, you know, we, we were out in the woods. And, and so I think that, you know, as an adult, I always reflected back on that. And, and that was probably one of the spookiest places I had ever been that was a real place. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Cause I'm like wondering like, cause how the stories, cause I'm like, okay, I don't want to say too much, but the father that did what he did, basically, yeah. I'm curious as to did some entity make him do that. And so that's why I'm like, I'm like, is it really <laughs> hardship or was it an entity that made him do it? And I'm like excited to finish it. And I might even do a review. Cause I do book reviews on here. I did a review for, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Oh, I forgot green light green lights uh by that author that he did green lights and I, I just can't remember his name right now I don't know why it's like <laughs> Matthew McConaughey so I did oh, review right. his book and stuff like that and I want to do more reviews on like horrors and thrillers because people are so scared of it you know even just as a movie or show they're like oh you know I can't get into that it's gonna mess up my spirit but these are true stories that I believe they could happen <laughs> you know yeah I think horror is one of those really neat genres that you know, there's so many levels of horror too. I mean, there's like anything from like kind of the ghost stories to like, you know, extreme or splatter punk horror, like things that get into like much darker things. I tend to stay more, I, I, I'm, I'm tame. I think when it comes to mine, mine is more psychological horror. Like I'm yeah. really kind of getting into, you know, am I seeing it? Am I not seeing it? Is this happening? Is it not happening? Um, but, you know, I think it allows people to escape from like their real life. And like, let's face it, like you can read something that's way worse than anything you're going through. And you're like, OK, I don't have it so bad. Yes. <laughs> yes. And especially like a great writer like you, where it, it, it draws you in. It's like immediately pulls you in like, OK, I can't stop reading this. I need a glass of wine. I have to get through this because <laughs> it's it, it definitely does take you from your normal life. Like if you're stressed out from work and you read, you know, read a really good book it does take you away from that. Do you have any authors that you would say like inspired you to write your suspense and your thrillers and your horrors? You know, I think that, like I said, you know, I, I liked Stephen King when I was younger. So it was one of those that like, I'd always kind of been drawn to like spooky books. Um, I read some Shirley Jackson, you know, I love Oct Octavia Butler. And while she doesn't necessarily fit into horror, she touches on it. Like she has that kind of like where you're, you're kind of like, 
clenched and waiting to see what's going to happen next. And so I really like that style of writing um, more so like for me personally, more so than say gore, because I want to be like, I want to be scared, you know, like, and I want to like really wonder what's going to happen next. Um, and then as I've written and gotten involved with other horror groups, so I'm part of a group on Facebook called Books of Horror, and it's a huge horror group and it's authors and readers, but there's a lot of authors in there. And through that, I've discovered so many other really great horror writers um, in, in that creepy kind of thing that I like. So like the one of my latest books was The Watchers that I read, which is uh, A.M. Shine. He's a he's an Irish author and he wrote this story that took place in Ireland in this forest that's not on any map. It has creatures right up my alley. Wow. Like that's what I want. I want to be like, like, like what's outside the window. <laughs> you know? That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. Cause it's like when I started writing, it's like, I got inspired like by Eric Jerome Dickey. Cause at first it was more so like this whole just drama type thriller. But now as I'm older now, I'm like, I want to do the, the horror vibes. Cause I'm watching all these movies and shows now, like uh, The Servant with by M. Night Shyamalan. And that show is like, it's not so much, it's kind of gory, but it's not. It's like that psychological thriller you're talking about exactly. in your book. And it's like, I'm so impressed by it. I'm like, what the? And in your book, I was thinking like to myself, this could be a movie. I was like, <laughs> have you thought of that? Because I was like, this could be a movie. I said, if I you know look I, I always want to do movies and stuff too like this could be turned into a script and then it could be shot in the location you know like Maine or something and then you know the whole story could come about and I just think it could definitely be a movie like a, that's why Octavia Spencer Octavia Octavia Spencer uh, what's Butler. Her name? Octavia Butler, Butler yeah. I don't know why I'm thinking about Spencer Spencer because there's an Octavia Spencer who's an actor oh thank <laughs> you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Octavia Butler, she has a show called Kindred on uh, yes. Hulu. Yes. Oh my and God. That's that was, based, that that's was based on And it was the first book I ever read of hers. And I was like, how did I not know about this author? I heard about it one day I was driving and NPR was playing and they started talking about it. And they're saying about the story. And I was like, okay, I'm, I literally went home and bought that book because it was so good. And then I've read her other books. So. Yeah, she, and she gets into like a little sci-fi too. And, and she's yeah. that cross genre. Like I'm a cross genre author. I write a lot of different genres. And, mm -hmm. I, and I love that about, like I tend to be drawn to stories that are more like that because I, it's, it's the layers you want to peel off, you know? And yeah. so, yeah, and the, the show Kindred, they did such a wonderful job with that too. Yeah, I was like, I'm ready for season two. What's going on? I'm like, me wait, too. <laughs> me too. what's going to happen? Yeah, my <laughs> yeah, husband didn't read the book, but he'd say to me, he's like, oh, so are they sticking pretty close? I said, you know, they're not sticking exactly to the book, but they've stuck to the really important parts of the book. You wow. know, the characterizations and certain points, I said, but they've actually elaborated, which is nice, which you have to do. I think sometimes when you turn it into something for TV, you're going to have to add in things so that, you know, it can go further than just, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's um, true. But they did they did a great job with that. And actually it's you mentioned uh, M. Night Shyamalan and Servant, and I actually saw that as well. And um his daughter actually wrote for that too. I think she wrote on the Servant. Oh, yeah. she's, she's actually now her directorial debut is gonna be for that that book, The Watchers. I was just telling you about the Irish author. I'm so excited. It comes out next year. Oh snap. Year. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have to get that book like because I'm getting back into my reading phase because for the longest I was into the getting my businesses and all this stuff going and now it's like it was like I'm getting back into like reading now and just trying to because I I really I really like doing book reviews it's so fun to me and to give the also the author a shout out and get you know maybe give people a summary to make them want to go read these great books because movies are great but it's it's it's, it's more detailed in the books you get so much detail and it's like you can paint this story 
Like you do, you get the, and you get character thoughts that you really can't get yeah. in the movies. You get in the books, and you're like, ah, oh, that's why they did this crazy thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. So, when did you write your fir- first book? Like, what age were you? So it's interesting because, like, when I was really little, and I always read. I think re- reading was my escape. So from the moment I could read, I was always reading and. And so, you know, I think like when I was younger, I'd always write these stories. And like, I think I wrote my first actual like book when I was in junior high school, never went anywhere with it. I carried around in my, my backpack and, you know, I don't know, eventually happened to it. It eventually probably just disappeared somewhere in a pile of things. But I think I always knew I wanted to do this. And I always had stories I would tell. And like when I was a kid, sometimes it would be like, we'd be walking back from the bus stop and I would just start telling stories to the kids and they'd be like, oh, tell me more. And I first I started out like like truths i'd be like oh so my family took this vacation and then it would turn into lies like i would eventually just keep adding on to it and adding on to it and i think that's really where i realized i liked creating the story you know creating something you know fantastical <laughs> wow i love it and that's and that's that's pretty much when i started it was kind of high schoolish and i didn't know about editing and all this stuff so when i wrote my first book i got slammed on amazon and i didn't even think i would get attention i was only 20 years old but wow. it's like what what do you say to to editor like to authors that are just not they they got the story they're just they're great storytellers but they're just not editors and they may not have enough money to pay an editor you know, now I'm older, I have the money to pay a big boy editor, but for someone that doesn't, like, what do you, what do you think, what do you, what advice do you have for this? So I have a couple areas in that I would say, one, you can't go without the editing. You have to, so you have to figure it out. Either you get better at editing and you're willing to put in that work and those tears and that pain and suffering and do it. You either pay someone or, you know, you can always barter. And I've done that too with other writers that say uh, are good at maybe something else. And so we've bartered like I've edited for people. I have a friend of mine who's an author who has this amazing voice. So he did, he's doing through the surface for an audio book, you know, so we were able to barter down the price with that because I could offer him a service, you know, and I think that's a big part of it is if you're, if you're a writer and you're kind of struggling with those extra things like cover design or audiobooks or editing, get involved with writers groups and say that, say, Hey, I, I don't have a lot of money, but I'm willing to barter. I'm good at this. You know, I'm, I'm willing yeah. to do this. I'm willing to beta read for you. If you could, you know, prove, for me proofread for me or whatever it is sometimes you may self to pay something but you can get the price down um so yeah. i think you can't you just can't go without doing it um and i totally agree your family's gonna get sick of reading your book like like hey, yeah, you just, this can't go to your like, family and friends they're like why are you bothering me i have I, stuff to do okay. yeah they're <laughs> yeah. like this is not my thing this is your thing don't it, say it, something i'm like oh dang you know exactly <laughs> exactly so i think that that's something you just have to say to yourself is okay i'm really excited about this book but either I'm going to have to wait till I have the time and the money to have someone do it, or, you know, I'm going to have to shell it out. I'm gonna, whatever it is, you're going to have to put that in. I, I do freelance editing too. So I do a lot of initial editing on my own book, but it does help regardless of how good you are at it to have another set of eyes. Cause your brain just self corrects things. You just yes. miss things. And, and you'll probably see that when you're reading mine, like when my audio book person did it, he caught things that nobody else had caught because he was having to read it out loud. And he said, my best advice, he said, if you can't really afford someone to do a lot of editing for you, read your book out loud. He's like, you're going to catch things if you read it out loud. And that's probably the best advice I've heard for somebody that just doesn't have the finances. You know, guess what? You're going to be acting out that book. (laughs) You know? You know what? That's some good advice, you know? And I think because I was 20 years old and my my mindset is different, you know, now I think when you're older, you might can catch something that you didn't catch at 20. It's like, you're just, a, like, I feel like I was a kid. I know I was just a kid, <laughs> you know, I was like, I was a kid. I didn't know, but it's like, but yeah, I mean, there's great, 
when I got with John Riddle, my editor now, I mean, he's also an author and stuff. He's been doing it for years. He now I don't have any problems. So my children's book came out perfect. Why? Because I had him, you know, and now I have another book coming out. And it's because I'm like confident because of John Riddle. And he's only under it's only it's under a thousand dollars. So it's not so bad. But I do think that, yeah, either learn it or get some help. Right. Yeah. And, and, there's, so, and there's ways around it. And I do feel bad. Yeah. I and mean, I, I at one point was this, you know, single mom raising my kids and I had no spare cash. So I really didn't have anybody I could afford at any price really to help me with stuff. And I, and I know people are really out there struggling. And that's where I say probably in that situation, see if you can barter, see if there's something you can barter with somebody, um, some service, like I said, whether you're reading or you're doing editing for them, or maybe you're good at art or whatever it is, you know, try to find some way to barter just to have that second set of eyes. Cause there's just nothing that, that ever, gets past that yes I love it so we I know we talked talked about through the surface but I want to know what's your favorite book that you've written so far so I'm a cross-genre author so I've written anything from like contemporary fiction all the way to horror so and everything in between um so for me I'm also really um like a socially active I really care about the world we live in you know the world I'm raising my children in. So my book, We Don't Matter, is actually an LGBTQ book, but it deals with police brutality, uh, church abuse, things like that. And so that probably for me was the book that really just, I tore everything out of myself to put it in into words. Um, because I really felt like you can only preach at people so much. You can only sit on Facebook and say, hey, pay attention. And people eventually just shut you down. So I remember one night I was laying in bed and I thought, how can I how can I put something out there? How can I reach people? And, you know, that was really where my writing came in. And I was like, okay, let me just make a story that kind of gets into some of these issues and really show people homelessness from a different point of view and LGBTQ from a different point of view and, and what it's like, you know, basically when you are on the other side of police brutality from a different point of view um, and, and create characters that people care about. So maybe they care about those issues. And so that book, I think for me still like, is the closest to my heart. Everything I write, I put something of me into it. But that one was one where I, I cried when I wrote it. <laughs> like it was just, I knew I had to say, if I was going to die tomorrow, what would I, what would I have wanted to put out into the world? And that, that was that book. Wow. And what's the title of that book again? It's called We Don't Matter. We Don't Matter. Wow. Yeah. I have to buy that from your website. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I mean, I'm just like intrigued with your writing because it's like, you know, you read you read some books and just some books just stand out. Some authors stand out to you more like Paulo Coelho, Eric Drum Dickey that just passed away and, you know, Stephen King. And I think I just recently started trying to get into Agathe Christie as well. Like I like the whole mystery stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it's just so much. And I'm like, certain authors just pull you in and you're one of them. Um, are, are your books yeah. on Amazon as well? Or is it just... Yeah, so they're on, they're on Amazon. They're on my website. Um, some of them are on Barnes and Noble. Um, oh, some cool. of my other ones as well. I think Books a Million. Um, so you just have to kind of search on. I, I tend to, um, I enter a lot of awards contests because that's a good way to kind of, and maybe authors need to hear that too. Like if you're an author, you know, with maybe limited resources. So say you're using KDP you know, Kindle Direct Publishing, to oh, publish yeah. your book. it's hard to really get into distribution, but sometimes those awards contests can help too. If you, if you place, it gets you kind of listed out there. And so 
my book do over it's actually one which was the first book i wrote when i got back into writing recently um but it's won six awards and that actually got it into like distribution it was by placing in different contests i was able to get out there into distribution um wow. ingram sparks is a great way to get into distribution but for like a new author you know we make a lot of mistakes when we first start out and so kdp allows us to go and correct those mistakes without having to get a new isbn every time where yeah. ingram sparks you have the one isbn and then if you have to do another version, you have to go and make corrections and you have to get another ISBN. So, oh, Lord. I, yeah. So, so I say to people, like, if you're just starting out and you're kind of just learning this process, it's, it's good to start with something like with KDP, which allows to learn and grow. Um, yeah. But Ingram Sparks has much better distribution. Like if you get into them, then you're going to find yourself in more places. So there's a lot wow. of kind of tips and tricks or, to get into more places. That's cool. I like that. I mean, yeah, because the thing is now it's like we don't have to deal with the traditional publishing and having to try to get get them. You know, I think now you can be independent and you can do, And you know, I had to take a marketing class last year so I can learn marketing. And I took it and changed my life because and, and, you know, if it was around during the time I was 20, it would have helped me out in my 20s. But now it's like it came at the right time. Sometimes it's about timing. But but taking a marketing course would really help authors as well, because sometimes in Amazon ads are expensive for authors. So I recommend using Facebook ads or Instagram ads to push your book and have like a little, like, I guess, marketing video of the books and stuff. Cause I was thinking I was going to offer that as a service to authors too, because sometimes a lot of people aren't, they don't have time or they're not technical. And so it's like a little trailer and then having the book there, maybe two. Absolutely. And if you have an audio book, which is amazing. So you can actually have a snippet of that and run ads and stuff. And I think that will help authors become full-time authors and you know have more time to write because that's my thing i still you know work in tech and stuff and then i'm doing that stuff so i don't have yeah. time to write like i want to like i'll yeah. zone out like you know um like i did a hard short film called chloe versus yaya where i'm playing uh someone that has schizophrenia and bipolar and i'm just playing two different people and it's like dang this could be a really great horror book but the time it time you have to have time and you have to have time and money to do these things you and do. that's what i tell people you need both so because you got to be able to sit down and zone out because sometimes I feel like our ancestors, our spiritual ancestors are talking to us and working through us to get these stories out here. I think so. so. Yeah, I agree with that. And I yeah. honestly, like, I always say, like, you have to look at yourself realistically and your time realistically. And I always say, like, for me, I, I, I typically have the ability to do two things well a day. So one might be my day job, which I have a job too. And I have, you know, that's eight hours of my day. And then that means when I get off work, I have time to do one thing effectively. So that's either marketing or it's writing or it's editing, but I can't do more than those effectively because then I'm cutting cutting corners and I'm not doing everything quite right so I have to really break down my time and say to myself today what am I going to do am I going to get up I like to write in the morning so am I going to get up and write before work and then honestly if I do that and then I work I'm too tired after work and that to really do marketing or I'll say I'm going to get up and I'm going to do marketing or maybe I'm going to work on get off work and I'm going to do editing for a while so like I really have said to myself don't don't overburden what you're trying to do just break everything down into segments you can and you can do two things really effectively a day anything more than that you tend to cut corners somewhere Ooh, I like that because it's all about breaking down the time, right? And yeah. figuring out, okay, on this day, I do this. And that's what I had to learn too. I like that. I didn't throw in the writing part yet, which I need to. And yeah. you just kind of <laughs> gave me this aha moment of Sequoia on Tuesdays, write for 30 minutes and do this. And that writing can add up. 
that's what I needed. You know, (laughs) like we plan everything else. So it's, it's, it's really no excuse for authors or anybody because you can make that time. So I like that you said that. That was amazing. So Oh, what you about to say? Well, I was going to say, you were talking about traditional publishing and kind of touching oh, in yes. on that too. It's like, you know, I don't want, obviously there are people that are more comfortable going the traditional publishing route and, you know, there are benefits to that. However, I will say that I was actually offered contracts. This, this all kind of came to me through deciding against contracts I was offered because what I found is in the traditional publishing world, there's a lot of one small publishers that aren't going to be able to do the marketing and all the work you're going to do as a self-publisher anyway. Um, they might have sketchy contracts. You might not be making much in royalties. And that's, I, I actually broke a contract with the publisher because they couldn't meet their timelines, their deadlines. Mm-hmm. And so like, well, it, you know, there's that appeal of, oh, if I go to a traditional publisher, they're going to do everything for me. It's just not the case anymore. Nowadays, no matter where we are, where we are as authors, we're doing the work. <laughs> so you just have to decide if, if you want, you know, to do the work yourself. And it is a lot of work, or if you want to kind of have somebody else's stamp of approval, which is fine too. I'm not saying there's a right way or a wrong way. For me, yeah. I decided after those frustrations with, I had three different publishers, one folded, one had a sketch contract, one couldn't meet tem- timelines where I was like, you know what, ultimately, if I'm going to be doing this work myself, I'm going to be doing this work myself. And that's why I chose to go indie. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. Cause you know, through research and I'm in the music industry too. And a lot of stuff, you know, even with labels that approach me, cause I've been heavy on music more so than anything else in the beginning you know from 12 to 25 and there's some stuff you'd be like okay you said you're gonna help me but then I'm still doing all the marketing I'm still doing everything and that's because I want to keep my publishing I don't want anybody owning my publishing I want to be able to have my royalties and maybe pass on to someone else for the rest of my life so I didn't want to (laughs) do I didn't want to do that but I felt like I'm glad I knew that at 20 even though I still was learning but I'm glad I knew that because now things are more fruitful you can be yourself like, you don't have to have someone tell you how to, what song you need to do or what. And now the labels are changing. They're not making enough money. A lot of things, they're you're trying to get rid of TikTok, you know, all this stuff. Yep. Because now artists are making their own money with everything. Exactly. exactly. And, you know, and that's what I want to tell people. Y'all, y'all can do it. I'm telling you. So, I agree. Yep. <laughs> totally. Yeah, we can do it. What would you say to your 18-year-old self? Ooh, that's a tough one. I think that you know, obviously being older now and having had the experience over the years is, you know, believing in myself and my abilities. And I think so many people at that age were like, eh, you never, you know, people don't make it as writers. Like my husband and I are actually just having this conversation. He's a musician as well. And he's in the same boat. He's an indie musician. So like, he's kind of in that same boat of like not wanting to work with labels and really trying to put his own stuff out there and talking about how many people tell you all the time, it's never going to happen. And that is really whether or not like you realize it, like you might be like, yeah, it is. But part of you still doubts. Like part of you still like, maybe it's never going to happen. Like, you know, and and I wish I could say to myself, don't, don't listen, because regardless if it's going to happen or not, you still want to put yourself out there. You still want to try because at the end of your life, that's all that's going to matter is that you made the effort to, to chase your dreams. Um, And and at 18, I allowed a lot of people to talk me out of things. A lot of people tell me, (laughs) you know, how life was going to be. And I wish I hadn't. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know what, I can relate to you so much with that, because I've had the same thing, you know, like, you know, you, you can't do that. You're not going to be psh, an author. You can't be an author. You're, just, you're new art. You can't. What do you mean you a singer? There's so many singers out here. What, what are you doing? Right. And I put that in my subconscious. So right. guess what I did? I, I attracted what I put in my subconscious. So I didn't go as hard as I could have in my 20s with music. I did some things which I was proud of. I did an album and all these singles, right. but it would have been more if I hadn't had that 
that little plug in my head. Yeah, and I think their now, voice becomes your voice. Like their it, voice becomes your internal voice. And that, that stinks. It really does. It really stinks because <laughs> if, and if some people never get out of it, like some people are blessed enough like you and I to say, okay, we're, we're doing this. Cause anytime something's published, a work is out, you are that said thing. So if you put a book out, you're that author anyway. It doesn't matter if you're a millionaire or not. If you put exactly. a song out, like your husband, he's already a singer musician. It, you don't need a million you don't have to have a million dollars to to be right that said thing so when people say oh you're not doing what you're supposed to do because just because you're working in tech or working at a job you're still putting out that art so technically you did it you are successful you just didn't get a lambo you know and everybody doesn't you know i don't even want a lambo but i'm just saying you you know you just didn't get what people think is that signal that success and so i think also people don't understand industry so you get people that tell you not do something because they don't know the industry they just assume and they don't know any better. But when you're 20 or 16 and impressionable, you don't know they don't know any better. You think right. that this is Bible. <laughs> this is what they said. They yeah. have a good car. They have a lifestyle. And I'm trying to be something off the rip, off the out of the box. So I think that I want to. That's why I try to tell. That's why I started this podcast in the first place, because I want to help somebody like me avoid what I went through. I want an 18 year old to watch this and say, oh, well, Sequoia and Juliet Rose is doing what they want to do. They're they're happy. They're still living. They still pay their bills. So it's like I want them to know that they can still do both. Like two, three things can be true at the same time. Yeah. And you have to separate. I was having this conversation recently, too, where you have to separate like what you're getting out of it with the value of what you're doing. So like it doesn't mean just because you don't sell a million books that your book wasn't amazing. It just means that maybe you didn't hit the right influencer or you didn't have the money for the right marketing or whatever it is. It doesn't mean that you are that you shouldn't have. You may have still put something out there and then in 50 years somebody comes across and then it becomes a movie because it was so like telling, but it just never hit the right person. So keep going, keep putting it out there, keep doing it and hope that one day that right person is going to stumble across it and go, this has got to be like huge. <laughs> yes. Know? Yeah. Cause if you think of Basquiat and Vincent Van Gogh, they blew up more after they t- passed away, exactly. especially Vincent Van Gogh, because they, he was so different from the normal art when he came out, he was pushing yep. that envelope. So they were like, oh, I don't know what this guy's doing. But as soon as he passed, they were like, Vincent, Vincent Van Gogh, we got to get his art. We got to get Basquiat. Like, Right. It's crazy. John, it's like- John Singer Sargent was made fun of. He was ridiculed in the art world. But like his art now, people are just like, wow, how did he do this? Because he uses the certain lighting and stuff like that. But at the time, he was ridiculed for what he did. So you can't trust that whatever today is telling you is the truth about your art. You still have to know in your heart that you're doing the right thing and you just got to keep pushing. Yeah, just keep going. Consistency is the key. And that's what I tell myself every day, because it is a like you said, there's days where you're like, why am I doing this? But then you have to talk back to yourself and say, nah, I'm doing this because this is for a reason. This is. Oh, yeah. Sometimes sometimes you go and read those reviews again. You're like, like, I wake up some days. I'm like, man, I have to go to work today. I have to this and I have that. Like, do I really have time to put into the writing? And then I'll go and just take 10 minutes and read through those reviews where people say your book changed my life. And I'll be like, all right, that's why I'm doing this. Like, that's it. That's that's why you do it. That's what I'm saying. So and and that's an amazing thing. And that's why I just keep doing it. And anybody out there, please keep doing it. Music art, anything entrepreneurship, because that's another baby that could take time, depend on money and sort resources and time and mindset but but just keep going everybody so before we wrap this up um i want to ask you what's a saying or quote that you go by wow i mean there's a few um you know one of my favorite quotes and it and it kind of goes with everything too is and i don't know exactly i'm saying it right but it's you know wherever you stand be the soul of that place 
And that's kind of been like my life mantra. And I believe it was by Rumi who wrote that. But it's like that thing, like you just have to come to everything you do and, and try to make whatever it is better. Even if you don't feel like it's changed anything or impacted things, you still come in and you be that soul. And you bring that to every moment that you're in. Um, and, and at the end of your life, you're going to say to yourself, I did what I could. I'm proud of that. And that's really what we're here for. Yes, that was Oh, I love it. That was amazing because being present is such a a spiritual moment in the life. It's like it's I don't, it, it bring, makes you feel alive, basically, because I think sometimes a lot of times we're going through the motions and we forgot that we are alive. Like you, you can actually see this this computer or you're you're actually drinking that tea and you're in that moment. That's what I that's what I had to learn. I'm like, man, I'm having fun just drinking a cup of tea because yep. I'm here in this moment. And I said the simple things I don't need to, you know, some people my age are out going out and this and that. I don't need to go out to have fun. I can have fun just drinking a cup of tea, watching the show because I'm in the moment. I'm like, I'm here for a short time because none of this is really real anyway. It's a you know right. big big game. But anyway, that's all another conversation for another day. It's all a big game. And once you know it's a game, you just play the game well until you get to the next dimension because that's where I think we go another dimension. But we might not remember who we were. We might have snippets of who we were in the right. past life. Yes. But we don't yep. know exactly who we were. But you feel it. You might get a moment like, wait a minute. This 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 not normally me, but this must be the other me. <laughs> and I will you know? say, and I will say real quick on my book that it just came out, Carrying the Dead. I kind of get into that actually. I get into, uh, you know, kind of like the psychology of why we're here, past lives, you know, our purpose and and beyond, like beyond here in this moment, what what we're here to do, and because um, it's something, yeah, it's a whole another conversation. I could talk for hours on that, um, but yeah, it's it's something I truly believe in. Is you know, we're we're here now, and we do the best we can, but we're also part of something a lot bigger than we realize. Yes, see, you're tapped in. That's why I knew it. I was like, when I saw when I was reading your book and stuff, I was like, I knew it when when you when you requested to be on the show. I was like, this, she's tapped in, and I could feel it. Like she she knows what's going on in the universe, and it's yeah, it's big. Everything's bigger than what it is. So, but yeah, I want to say thanks for coming on the show today. And oh, oh, make sure where can people buy your books? And uh, I know I'm going to put in the show notes too. But sure, the best place to start is my website, authorjulietrose.com. I have links to purchase my books. I have information about me, my bio. I have links to connect with me on social media, kind of everything. So that's a great place to go. Yes. Snap, snap. I want to tell everyone, thanks for coming on the show. I mean, thanks for listening to the show. And Juliet, thanks for coming on the show. And um, please subscribe, share this episode and support the artists that you know. Be supportive because we are creating the future and giving you entertainment. So yes, support us. (laughs) And thanks for listening, everyone. Peace.